Hi everyone and welcome to the Panama Podcast. I am James Prescott, your host. Welcome to the show. It's really great to have you all here and I am really excited to welcome back um, somebody who's been on the, the guest on the show before uh, and actually my book coach as well, um, mm. Alison Fallon. Welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks James. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's really good to have you back. I think the last time you were on was a couple of years ago, I think. Yeah. Like, Yes, 2018 or something like that. When 2017, when your book was your last book came out, uh, well, that feels like a lot longer ago now, doesn't I know, it? I know, a, a lifetime and a half ago. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're recording in um, this middle of November, 2020, and uh, it feels like it's been 10 years this year. There it is. It's been one heck of a year. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but uh, you have a new book out don't you? Um, so I'm really excited to talk about that today because it's about writing. And uh, yeah, so tell us a bit about this book. Yeah, it's called The Power of Writing It Down. And this book is really written for all of the people I've met all over the world who tell me that they have a secret dream to write, but that they don't feel like a real writer. Um, I wanted them to have a resource that they could use to, first of all, give themselves permission to call themselves a writer. Um, and then second of all, to have a path that they could follow and, you know, a, a bit of a mentor an accountability, um, partner, a guide who could remind them along the way that the writing that they're doing really matters. So in the book, I cover where this idea comes from that only certain people are writers and other people aren't writers. And I emphasize that everybody is a writer and that there's just absolutely no reason why anyone who wants to write shouldn't be doing it. Um, I also share a lot of the research and data that's out there and available that just shows us what a powerful practice something like writing can be in our lives. So um, as a way to generate positive change, to alter, you know, like a end a bad habit that we have, start a new good habit, um, that it can have a powerful effect on our mental health, our emotional health, our spiritual health. You know, I say all the time, writing is communication, it's spirituality, it's therapy, it's um, writing is a birthright. So there's just no reason why anyone who wants to write shouldn't be doing it. And this book is for anyone who has ever said to themselves, well, gosh, I would love to write a book someday, but I don't really, you know, I don't know how to publish, or I don't think I have a great story to tell, or I don't have great grammar or whatever it is, fill in the blank thing that we say to ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. And then someone who's, someone who writes and has written books, I completely resonate with that. Um, yeah, and one of the things that actually I've talked about on, on the show quite a lot is the power of daily writing to improve our, our mental, emotional, and physical health. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I certainly, not, when I, I certainly notice in my own life when I'm journaling every day, that's the times when I'm most healthy. Uh, and And so, yeah, you talk about the neurology and the kind of science behind it. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah. So, I mean, the, the data backs you up there that the, the, um, presence of a regular practice of writing in your life makes you healthier mentally, emotionally, physically. So actually people who write daily are 50% less likely to visit the doctor for upper respiratory infections and flu. So the, and I always start with that piece of evidence because to me, it's, it speaks so strongly to this idea that writing is having an actual impact on our physiology, on our biology. 
So if we can have that kind of impact on, on something physical, what kind of impact might it be able to have on something spiritual or emotional or something that's happening under the surface? Um, there's a whole list of other data that I could include about how writing improves your physical health and it, it improves your mood. People are more likely to report being happy on a daily basis if they're writing regularly. They're more likely to report being happy in their romantic partnerships. They're more likely to get hired for a job with fewer interviews. So there are all kinds of those practical, tangible benefits that we can experience if we implement a daily practice of writing into our lives. Um, and the reason I think this is, is just because of how our brains work. So what a lot of us do when we have a certain outcome in our life that we're wanting to change, whether that's like, you know, I don't like my job. I wish I was working a different job or, uh, this relationship doesn't make me happy. I wish I could either that this relationship would make me happy or I could find one that would, or whether it's like, I want to lose 10 pounds or I wish I made more money or whatever it is, these outcomes in our lives that we want to change. What most of us do is we try to change the outcome by, uh, thinking logically about it. So by using our prefrontal cortex, which is an incredibly important part of our brain. But the problem is that most of our daily habits, actions, and behaviors don't come from our logical analytical brain. They come from our, our habitual brain. They come from our limbic system. So our subconscious brain is the part of our brain that's driving our daily habits and behaviors. And without understanding what's going on in our subconscious brain, we have absolutely no chance at altering our behaviors. This is like basic cognitive behavioral psychology. So the idea being that we have these buried thoughts and ideas in our brains that have been, um, they've been there for, you know, as long as we've been alive oftentimes. And then those thoughts that we have that we're not even aware of on a daily basis cause us to feel a feeling and that feeling causes us to act or behave in a certain way. And that action or behavior causes us to get this outcome or result that we don't like or enjoy or want anymore. So when we go to change a behavior, like at the beginning of a new year, and we're like, I have these new year's resolutions this year, I want to run a marathon. And we use our prefrontal cortex to talk about how we want to do this thing. And we use it to make ourselves a plan. Um, but then when we go to try to execute the plan, we're not using our logical brain anymore. We're using our limbic system. We're using our subconscious brain. And so oftentimes our actions fall short of what we said we wanted to do or what we think we're planning to do. And writing is a really, really powerful and effective way to get underneath the surface, to peel back the layers, to find out what's actually happening in your subconscious brain so that you can have a better understanding of why you're getting the outcomes you're getting in your life. And also so that you can have a much better chance at altering them. Yeah, absolutely. And it definitely works. I can testify to that. Um, and it is incredible really how one habit like writing can have such an impact on every part of our life, you know, and our health. It's true. It's, it's, it's really incredible. Yeah. I mean, so for you, James, what kind of impact have you seen when you've implemented a regular practice of writing? You said that if you journal every night, that you feel much happier in your life than you would otherwise. But what what kind of specific outcomes have you seen change in your life because of your practice of writing? Well, I, um, I've got more sleep. Yes. Um, I feel less tired. Mm-hmm. Logic. Um, tend to have more energy. And I found it easier to change my diet. Mm-hmm. As well. 
um, <laughs> which is interesting, and to start kind of making more better plans around my budget and all those kind of things. And yeah, those so all of those things started happening, and I started getting good outcomes in or better better outcomes in therapy. Uh, I was already getting good outcomes, but I had I got some insights I didn't know I had, and I started to actually find my voice again as a writer. I started to kind of connect with oh this is what I really want to say yes and it was so all of those things kind of happened when I started journaling I tend to lose weight when I'm journaling as well although this year is a bit of an exception because of the pandemic yeah. and <laughs> lockdown and things but generally when I'm journaling and writing a lot I tend to be eating healthier as yeah. well yeah it makes sense you know I mean it, it, the disconnect that so many of us experience between what we say we want, which is us using our frontal cortex, and then what our behaviors demonstrate, which is that's the, the thoughts that are buried in our subconscious, the gap is usually really wide that it's so wide that it's frustrating, you know, that you find yourself saying over and over again, I, this year, this year is going to be the year that I get, you know, this amount of money in a savings account. And then you find yourself spending money on things that you didn't really need or even didn't really want or or like sort of backed into a corner where you feel you have to spend money on something that you wish you didn't have to spend money on and um you know I could I could insert innumerable examples that don't you know either whether it has to do with finances or whether it has to do with relationships or whether it has to do with um like our physical practices on a day-to-day basis but a way to close that gap is simply to start to recognize the thoughts that are actually driving our behavior. And I think that's why you find yourself, um, it's, it's not so much that it's magical, but that when you're journaling, you see yourself much more clearly. And so you're able to make the choices that you have always wanted to make. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because I think when you're writing, you connect with your deepest self your mm. truest self uh i certainly that's certainly my experience uh and yeah the times when i'm writing regularly uh are the times when uh the times when i i really get clarity on what i want to say mm-hmm. and i tend to become more productive creatively as well yeah that makes total sense too it's kind of like turning on a faucet like if you turn the faucet on regularly daily, then the, the water will run, you know? And if you, I I don't know, maybe the analogy doesn't carry very well, but, um, this idea that like the more often you show up to the page to write, the more you invite that creative energy, the, the, the energy of creating something out of nothing, the more likely you're going to be able to access that energy, that flow, whenever you need it, rather than having to try to sort of figure out like, how do I do that again? How do I turn on the faucet? You know how to turn it on because you've been turning it on every day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So when did you start to understand this idea and experience it yourself? Uh, That's a great question. So I have been working with writers for over 10 years now, and I watched this happen with so many of the writers that I worked with kind of by accident because I was helping writers mostly publish. So I would come in and I would help a writer outline a book 
execute the writing of the book, edit the book, get the book ready for publication and get the book out into the world. And over and over again, I started to see how these authors who were many of them very accomplished authors, um, they'd written, you know, several books themselves. They were selling, uh, in some cases, millions of copies of their books. They were making a full-time living from their writing, but they were also experiencing a lot of these tangential benefits that I'm talking about, like better physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health. So I was watching this happening and I was just thinking like, wow, this is so cool that there's a connection. There seems to be a connection here between the act of writing and um, the agency or leverage that you have to create change in other areas of your life. Then in 2015, my personal life completely blew up in my face. I was in the middle of writing a book at the time that actually was, uh, the book was on marriage and I was very, very stuck. I was married at the time. I was really stuck in the writing of the book, stuck, you know, writer's block. I would show up to write chapters every day and just sit there and stare at the blinking cursor. I could not for the life of me make any progress. I had my agent and my editor waiting on pages for me. I could just couldn't send anything over. And in the middle of this process, I uncovered information that just completely unraveled my, my marriage first, but then my whole life. So I went through a divorce. I had to sell my house. I lost my business. I had to move out of my, you know, like get, um, half of my furniture was gone. Um, I just pretty much lost everything. I lost my dog. I lost everything that at the time really mattered to me. And I also found myself, um, on a really personal note, questioning my faith because I had been married to a pastor. I had grown up in the church my whole life. And everything that I had uncovered just made me think like everything that I've ever thought to be true wasn't true. And so I found myself in this time of darkness and deconstruction and confusion and despair. Um, But weirdly, what happened in that season is my writing really flourished because suddenly, and I tell writers this all the time, that writer's block isn't really writer's block, it's life block. When you don't know what to say on the page, it's almost always because there's something you want to say or do in your life that you feel you can't say or do. And the thing I felt that I couldn't say or do was leave the marriage. And I had always wanted to, and I never felt I could. And for whatever reason, this set of circumstances gave me permission to do what I had been wanting to do all along. So as soon as I left, I felt free to say what I had wanted to say for years. And I felt the words just kind of pour out of me. And I, um, my, my, my book indestructible details, you know, the, the experiences following the divorce and, um, and the process of writing that book was the most enjoyable writing process that I had had up until that point in my life, because I didn't feel stuck in my writing at all. And I didn't feel stuck in my life. I felt a lot of things. I felt um, sad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I felt lonely. I felt so mm-hmm. many things, so many feelings that were uncomfortable, but the thing I didn't feel was stuck. I knew what I knew, what I knew, what I knew was true. I knew what I wanted. I knew what I was after. I I felt free for the first time in as long as I could remember. So um, that made me curious about the connection between our writing life and the rest of our life. And I started doing some research and I found an entire body of research. Uh, really, James, Dr. James Pennebaker is the researcher who I mentioned the most in my book, but there are so many other researchers um, and so many other studies that have been done around the power of writing 
that Pennebaker is not the only one. He's maybe sort of like the father or grandfather of this, this idea. Um, but over and over and over again, study after study after study has proven how powerful writing can be as a way to understand ourselves and our stories, uh, a way to reshape our life. Jennifer Lowry has a book called Rewrite Your Life that is about the power of writing fiction. It doesn't even have to be writing that you do about your own life. It can be it can be fictional writing that you do that helps us to create new neural pathways carve a new path forward, create a new life for ourselves. And, you know, if this is anecdotal, but if my story is any indication of the power that writing has to create new realities for us, five years ago this month, like nine, so November 19th, 2015 was the day that my life exploded. And today we're recording this on November 10th, 2020. So five years later, and I am married. I have a daughter. I have a dog. I have a house. I have everything that I have ever wanted. I have a thriving business. I have a new book coming out in January. So everything that I had wanted back then, I have now. Um, and I have it because I wrote about it. Wow. Wow, that's powerful. <laughs> oh, yeah, and I that story you talked about, a lot of that's in your last book. Uh, indestructible which is is, in itself is a really great book and i would recommend it to people uh and we talked about it in the last time you were on the show actually uh yeah and yeah and i resonated with a lot of that book in like i mean not in terms of the exact circumstances but in terms of the the journey that you went on Mm. uh i've been on a similar kind of journey uh and i feel like i'm just getting started even though i'm kind of five years into it myself and yeah, I'm at that point, I think, where I'm just starting to, I'm just starting to write again. I, I, I people know who listen to the show know I had a major um, trauma related to writing. In fact, two, really. Um, I was betrayed and had my ideas stolen by somebody, um, which really killed my love of writing. And then yeah. had a book come out, which didn't do as well and had disagreements with publishers and uh, and other things and other difficult circumstances, which kind of just killed my love of writing completely. And yeah. I just didn't want to come back to it because it was too painful. And I didn't, yeah, I just put some, my brain did put up some mental blocks to me writing because it was wanting to protect me from being hurt. And, yeah. you know, um, the only good thing that came out of that was this podcast, actually, because this was almost like my body's way of um, doing creative work without writing. So, yeah. <laughs> Something did, did come out of it, but uh, I'm just coming back to writing now. And I think that, that journaling that I'm doing is, is just that gentle way of easing myself back in because I do have a book I want to write, but I'm not quite there to write it yet. James, but, have uh, you have you written about the trauma that you have around writing or the multiple traumas you have around writing? Um, I'm going to. I, I don't know whether I, I don't know whether I'm going to write a whole book about it or not, but it's going to be part of this book that I'm working on because the book that I'm working on is kind of about overcoming grief and trauma and being trans and transformation. Mm-hmm. Part one of the, one of the grief experiences that I'm going to talk about is, is that experience. Uh, yeah. I probably won't get into too much detail about it, but one sure. day I would write about that in more detail. Um, the reason yeah. I ask is I, not even necessarily for the book, but um, 
this could be a really powerful experience for you in reshaping the way that you tell these stories to yourself so that you, so that the, the outcome, the ending to the story is an ending that you want and choose for yourself versus an ending that just happens to you. And uh, hopefully it's okay that I'm saying this, but um, you, you just for your own personal growth and curiosity, you could write the story of like the title of the story could be like James becomes a writer and you could map out using a narrative arc. You could map out how you want the story to go and you could just write the story for your own self so that you can have the perspective of seeing your, yourself as the hero of this story. The hero encounters all these obstacles. He's able to overcome these obstacles. You know, obstacle number one, you're betrayed by person number one. Obstacle number two, there could be villains in the stories, you know, in the story, you know. And um, and everything, you know, that you stated just now and everything I, I know from talking to you through our launch team it, those are these are all real details to a real story that's really happened to you that have all taken place but the ending to the story hasn't been written yet and you get to decide what you want that ending to look like is the ending James gives up because he feels too bad about himself or 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 the alternative you know which is James becomes the hero of his own story because he's able to overcome these obstacles and defeat the villain and become the writer he always wanted to be um it, it can be a really powerful experience. This was what happened for me when I wrote down the story of my divorce, because the first version of the story for me was like, poor victim Allie, you know, like never knew what was going on. And someone evil pulled the wool over her eyes and tricked her. And, you know, it, is that how I want to tell that story to myself? Or is the story I want to tell to myself, I knew all along that this was the wrong path for me. And I chose it because... I was hurting. And then the minute that I realized what I was doing, I made a different choice for myself. I overcame all the obstacles that were thrown in my path and I became the hero of my own story. And I got to decide what the ending to the story was. The The act of writing it will start to make some of these things that sound so blatantly clear when I'm saying them out loud, it'll start to make them seem blatantly clear. And, um, but but as you're living it, it doesn't always feel that way. As you're living it, it's like, hey, this was not wasn't fair. I didn't choose this. This just happened to me. And and the the beauty of writing it down on the page is you start to see the leverage that you have to to write the ending of the story. Wow. <laughs> That's really powerful. <laughs> You see, this is why Ali's such a good coach, by the way, everybody, and why you should hire her to help you. <laughs> <do it>. um, <laughs> that's brilliant. That is really brilliant. I think I might do that. I, I hope you do. Yeah, and let me know how it goes. And I will, yeah. I mean, I'll see you. When, I'm on Ali's launch team for her book as well, so um, um, that's how good it is. I can tell you. Um, yeah, I'll tell you I'll tell you about it um, when, I, when, I figure out what, when I see what happens. Yeah, that's a really great idea. And it's a good idea for everyone out there as well who is struggling with writing and trying to tell a better story with their life, I would say, as well. Agreed. Um, you can, yeah, uh, I mean, any those of you who are listening, you could take any story from your life. Let's just say your dad left when you were really young or you've been fired from four jobs unfairly or um, you keep finding yourself in a relationship with a person who treats you terribly or you, whatever else. So fill in the blank scenario for you. Um, maybe maybe you're like always running out of money. You're living paycheck to paycheck and you're always running out of money. You can take the story 
and you can just you can literally sit down and write your version of the story. So the the story can be like, um, you know, uh, John overcomes the pain of losing his father at a young age, and and write the story. How does the story end? Does the story end with John wallowing in his own depression, eating ice cream in bed every day? Does it end in John, you know, like um, taking out his pain? on other people by taking advantage of the women who he picks up at bars at night? Or does the story end by John deciding he's going to become an advocate and become a mentor to young boys who also don't have fathers at home? Do you see what I'm saying? Like we get to decide how we want the story to end. The the first part of the story is already written. 85% of it's already written for us, but that doesn't mean that we don't get to decide how that, how the hero saves the day at the end of the story. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's so empowering. It's really great. Um, I love that. Um, one thing that you talk about in the book, which I think, which is really important, I think, for, for us to talk about as well, is this whole idea of that if you're, you, just because you're a writer doesn't mean you have to be a published author. You know, you don't have to have a book contract and you don't have to you know, do all that stuff to, to be a writer. You can be a writer just by journaling every day at home or writing stuff for yourself. 100%. And in fact, so many writers who I work with who are published authors or who make a full-time living from their work or who maybe aren't authors, but they are doing some other kind of writing where they're getting paid for their writing, um, complain that they, or not complain, but when I express to them the power of the written word, They resonate with it immediately, and their only complaint is that the writing that they're doing that pays the bills isn't the kind of writing that fulfills them deeply in that way. So just because you have a book contract, just because you get paid for your writing, just because you have a full-time, you make a full-time living doing this work, that doesn't validate you as a writer at all. In fact, the writing that we do that feeds our souls oftentimes isn't necessarily the writing that's going to pay our bills. It doesn't mean you can't do both, you know, but I, I tell people who are working on their first book and they're just not sure how it's going to do in the marketplace and they don't know if they're going to be able to sell it and they're not sure if they'll make a living from their writing. I tell them, why don't you get a job doing something that has nothing to do with writing? Get a job at Starbucks or get a job as an accountant or get a job, you know, like doing something else where you don't use up all of your creative energy on someone else's project and then save your creative energy for the project that you want, the the story that you want to tell, the thing that you want to make. Um, and, you know, again, it's possible to be a copywriter during the day and also write a book, or it's possible to like, like I do, I write my own books and, you know, that's part of the living that I make. And then I also coach authors, which is part of the living that I make. I guess my point is at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter how you make your money if you're using writing as a tool to feel more empowered and confident and purposeful in your life and to remind yourself of the path you're on and the person that you are and the way you want to present yourself to the world, it doesn't matter how you're making your living because you're going to have everything that you wanted in the first place (laughs) with just like we have this idea in our mind that it's going to satisfy us to have millions of people read our words. And that idea simply doesn't, it doesn't add up at the end of the day. The thing that satisfies you is knowing I'm doing what I was put here to do. I'm the kind of person that I want to be in the world. I'm proud of the life that I'm living. And the act of writing daily, no matter how many people read your words, can help you feel that way. That's so true. 
That's so true because we can attach so many things to to this idea of writing or being a writer. And some and to be honest, I I said to people before when I've I coached writers before, and I, one of the things I say to people is that you know the, the first person you're writing for is yourself. That's yes. That's the first person you're writing for because whatever whatever you create, whatever you write, will do something to you, and. You know, people who are like saying, "Oh, what if my writing doesn't impact anybody?" Well, I'm gonna—I always say to them, "Like, well, the, your writing is going to impact you." Yes. First off, and it has so, to impact you first. Yeah, I mean, it, there's there's really, um, it has to impact you first. Our writing will transform us, and it's our own transformation that has an impact on the reader. Does that make sense? So, if I bypass my own transformation then it can't have that kind of transformative impact on my reader. This is actually a frustration of mine in the publishing industry is a lot of the stuff that sells out there, not all of it. There's plenty of stuff that sells that's really helpful. But a lot of the bullshit that sells, I'm sorry, excuse my French. A lot of the stuff that sells is stuff that um, oversimplifies the complicated nature of being a human being. And it's stuff that's not ultimately helpful to us because it doesn't truly transform our lives. So if I if I can write something and it just doesn't touch me, if it doesn't, if it's not a challenge to get it on the page in the right way, if it doesn't transform me in the process of writing it, the chances are quite slim that it's ever going to transform anybody else. So the price we pay to transform a reader is our own transformation. And it's a, it's a price worth paying, but I will say, you know, like writing a book like indestructible, which was the most vulnerable thing I've ever written and published with an audience was not easy. It was, I had to go back in and relive the trauma that I had once experienced. The The good thing is, is as you go in and re-experience it, you get to experience it in a different way and with much more, um, a much more empowered position, but it's, it is the price we pay as writers in order to transform a reader. Mm, yeah. And it's a good price to pay. It really is. Because, yeah, when you, when you write, you, if you're transformed by your writing, that's good. You get, trans, you get connected to yourself mm-hmm. and more about who you are and you find yourself. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, and it can bring you to life. I know, I know from experience that that can happen, and it's it really is amazing. You start to I I don't I don't know if you've noticed this, but when I journal, I'm often I'm writing stuff, especially when I'm free writing, which is a really great thing to do. You you suddenly hit upon something. It's like it just and you write you've written it, and then you realize what it is mm-hmm. after you've written it, and you think, wow, that's profound. Yes. <laughs> Like, as in, I didn't know that about myself, and that is a big, deep truth that I could yes. share as well. And it just came out of me without me even realizing it. Yes. You're unearthing the wisdom that has always been inside of you, but that you didn't have a way to access. And writing gives us an access point for that wisdom. Yeah, absolutely. It does. Absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. And the, one of the other things that you talk about as well, which I'm always been fascinated by, is physical space. Mm-hmm. You know, you talk about how we need to create a space for ourselves where we can, where we can create, where we can write, which will give us the right kind of mood, I guess. 
the kind of the smell, the feel, the kind of how clean and tidy things are, the, the lighting and all that kind of thing, and how all those things can can impact our writing. So tell us a bit about that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things I talk about with physical space is that our physical space is representative of our mental, emotional, and creative space. So Virginia Woolf talks about this. I'm not the first person to talk about it, but she, you know, she her book, A Room of One's Own, essentially asserts the idea that without a room of one's own, and specifically a woman in this case, how can we expect to have an impact on the world? Without putting our two feet on the floor, without having a space that we own, we can call it our own. How can we expect to be able to assert ourselves into the world? And um, I just started noticing how often we shove our creative selves into a corner. Um, So metaphorically speaking, but also it shows up in our physical space. Like when I would tell a writer, you know, in order to do your writing every day, you need to have a space that you go to. You need to have a chair you sit in. You need to have a space that feels creative to you that whether that means you have a candle with you or a cup of coffee or a glass of water or whatever else it is, but you have your ritual and your routine that you create and you go back to this same space that you've created and manufactured for yourself so that you can think. And what I hear a lot of times is this pushback, like, well, I don't really have a space like that in my house. I live in a very small house. My husband, that desk is really his desk and my kids and this and that. And my question for this, my question um, in response to this pushback is, what does it say about you and about your creative life that you can't find even a tiny little corner of space in your house for yourself? You know, Um, it's just an interesting thought experiment to consider if the only space that I have that I can call my own in my house is my closet. You know, actually, if your only space is your closet, uh, that a closet works. It doesn't need to be anything fancy. But what would it look like for me to kind of carve out a little corner of my home that's for my own creativity? What would it look like for me to have a space that's like warm and comforting or however I need it to be so that I can do my creative work? And I... When I wrote Indestructible, I lived on my own in a little 600-square-foot apartment. And I, because I lived on my own, I got to set it up exactly the way that I wanted to set it up. And so unlike one of my authors who's like, I've got a husband and 17,000 kids running around the house, I didn't feel like that. I felt like I actually have, you know, 600 square feet is not big, but it's big enough that I could make myself at home and sort of create the space that I wanted to create. And still, I had a friend come over to my house who's a designer and she really focuses on feng shui. And she noticed something about my physical space that said a lot about my creative space. She was like, have you noticed that your your whole space is like almost sanitized? It's so clean. It's like clean, clean, clean. You've got like clean, hard lines. You've got modern furniture. You've got like nothing plush or fuzzy in this place at all. So just for me to sit with that a little bit, and I talk about this in the book, but like to sit with that feedback from her, And ask myself, Mm -hmm. what does the nature of my physical space tell me about my emotional space was helpful for me and my creativity. I had been suffering from a lot of anxiety. Um, She was like, you know, the coldness of this space could very well contribute to the anxiety that you're feeling. She had me like rearrange some furniture. She had me move the books out of my bedroom, which had never occurred to me before that this idea that I'd have like, you know, like hundreds of books in my bedroom might um, interfere with 
uh, it's like having a television in your bedroom, you know, it just would interfere with your own sense of rest or sleep. She had me put up some curtains to block out some of the traffic noise. I was living like right on a very busy street. She had me bring in some like softer, earthier fabrics into the space, some pillows, some color. Um, and you know, I mean, is it, is it magically that bringing in pillows to my home made me more creative? No, it's not magical. It's representative, just like anything. So me going out to spend money on pillows, colorful pillows that I could bring into the space was a representation of what I was going to do in my creative life, which was, I was going to bring some more color in. I was going to give myself permission to get a little crazy and move off of my color palette of like gray and white, you know? Um, (laughs) Me, even like, you know, for some people, they need to clean up the clutter on their desk because it's representative of how much clutter is in their brain. For me, I actually needed there to be permission to be a little more clutter. I could leave a coffee cup in the sink and the world wasn't going to end, you know? So it's different for all of us. But I do think that paying attention to what's happening in our physical space can give us a clue as to what's happening in our mental and emotional space. Absolutely agree. I really, yeah, I've noticed, I know, again, something I've noticed, you know, when, I did a big clean of my room recently and, you know, change, you know, and bought some new sheets and bought some new pillowcases and, you know, tidied up everything and put some stuff, clothes that, I, that I've been hanging around, put them in, put them in the cupboard and things. And suddenly it's like, it changed everything. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? I mean, Marie Kondo is definitely onto something. It's why she's sold so many millions of copies of that book because our physical spaces aren't just physical. They, they represent something deeper. Yeah, they do. Yeah. And it's definitely more conducive to creative work to have a healthy space mm-hmm. where you can write. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really have a proper desk here where I can write, but I'm still trying to figure out where a good place I could, could be for me to, to kind of write my book. But I'm sure I can find, I'll find one. And at the moment, my writing space is basically sitting in bed with my journal and that's that works. Um, so Maybe that's where I'm, I should write my book as well. But, but yeah, we all have those. We need to kind of create those spaces where we can, which which are conducive to us creating great work. Mm-hmm. Agreed. Yeah. So um, it's really, really important that. Um, this has been really, really great to talk about this with you. Um, it's This is a subject I love to talk about. I don't get to talk about it enough. And... Um, and it's related to a lot of other things that I talk about, like mental health, emotional health, overcoming grief and stuff like that, because uh, I found that it's, it's, it's been writing, journaling has, for me has been therapeutic in totally. that respect. And, and I'll say something really quickly about grief, James, because I imagine you probably have a lot of listeners who are tracking along with your story and are probably also writing their way through grief. And you can tell me if this resonates with you, but one really great way, uh, writing is such an incredible way to process through grief. One thing that happens is a lot of times we hold on to grief until we can name it. And so when you, through your writing, name your grief, you will find that it lets you go. When you can put the exact right words to it that explain how you've been feeling all these years, that feeling that you feel like will follow you around to the ends of the earth actually does let you go. I you know, this has been true for me and for so many of the writers that I've worked with that you have this, this deep 
feeling of lack or depression or, or darkness or whatever you want to call it that you feel like sort of tags along with you. And no matter where you go, you can't get rid of it. And when you name it, when you put words to it, it's like a release valve and mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. And I, I mean, last year I wrote two sample chapters for my, for the book that I'm writing. Um, I probably won't use those. I'll probably rewrite them um, telling the same story, but, uh, but just writing those chapters was therapeutic. Um, it was, it was painful actually. Yes. And it got, I was quite down after a while afterwards because it was quite emotionally heavy, but, but it, and ultimately it was, it was, it was therapeutic. And mm-hmm. um, yeah. And so it, it wasn't wasted. You know, nothing is, nothing is wasted. Um, yeah thank you for that that's really that's really really powerful um yeah and we have talked about grief a lot on this show so i know there'll be people who'd be interested in that too so yeah um, yeah thank you um and so where can people get this book and when is it out so January 12th, it's available for order. If if uh, you're listening to this before January 12th, uh, James, I don't know when you'll release it, but if you're listening to it before January 12th, you can pre-order the book at thepowerofwritingitdown.com. And there are there's a really great bundle of pre-order bonuses. So make sure you drop your order in order number in there and get your pre-order bonuses, including the first chapter right away. You can download it immediately and start reading before anyone else does. If you're listening to this after January 12th, you can still order your copy of the book there and or anywhere that books are available for purchase. Um, and you won't get the pre-order bonuses, but you will get to start reading right away. So Awesome. Awesome. And uh, yeah. And where can people find you Come on social media and things like that? Yeah. Instagram is a great place to find me at Ali Fallon, A-L-L-Y-F-A-L-L-O-N, just like Jimmy Fallon. And then also findyourvoice.com. You can find us there. And um, if you have a book that you want to write, we help people do that. And also have a bunch of other writing services and, and um, products that we offer as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank um, you. Yeah. Uh, and I'd highly recommend this book. I've read it. It is fantastic. And I'm, I'm sure after what you've listened to today, you'll want to read it as well. So um, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. And take care. <laughs>